This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And welcome to the Rupa Subramanya Show. It's a pleasure to have you here once again. Um, here in Ottawa, we just uh, survived another major snowstorm and expecting another one this weekend. Um, but on the upside, it's going to be a white Christmas. There's no question about that. Um, and speaking of Christmas and the holidays, I hope you're able to spend um, that time with your loved ones and, uh, and that you have a safe and happy holidays. Now back to today's show, uh, many of you have been uh, probably been following the recent revelations about important information that the public had a right to know, which was all but censored by the U.S. government working hand in glove with Twitter. Uh, you probably heard about the Twitter files where Twitter's new boss, Elon Musk, has released confidential internal documents to a select few independent journalists like Matt Taibbi and Barry Wise's Free Press, uh, which I'm associated with. Basically, uh, we've learned, for example, the Hunter Biden laptop a story was effectively killed when it could have had an influence on the 2020 presidential elections. We've also learned what many of us have suspected, for, uh, and some of us have actually directly experienced this, including me, which is Twitter suspending and shadow banning conservative voices and amplifying uh, progressive liberal voices on their platform. Uh, my guest today is Catherine Brodsky, a Canadian journalist based out of Vancouver, uh, who's written for various publications such as uh, Esquire, uh, Variety, The Guardian, and The Washington Post, among others. Uh, Catherine, uh, will help us make sense of the Twitter files, uh, Elon Musk, and all of the shenanigans surrounding Twitter and the future of Twitter. Where do we go from here? Uh, so please welcome Catherine to the show. So Catherine, it's a great pleasure uh, to have you on the show. Um, you know, we've uh, interacted quite a bit online and uh, it, it really is nice to have you here. Um, and um, um, you've written for... Um, Ma you know, major mainstream legacy media establishments like the Washington Post, uh, Esquire magazine, Variety, I think, Guardian, um, and so on. Wh what do you think of, uh, what do you make of the recent revelations um, of, the uh, of the Twitter files and also the fact that uh, much of the mainstream media has ignored these revelations? What, what does it tell us about where we are in the media space today? Well, that's a really good question. <laughs> I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm saddened, honestly, to hear that, uh, or to see rather that um, they haven't really been covering it or have been covering it in a very minimal way. Um, and it tells me, I've thought about it, like, why why would they not cover it at all? And I think a lot of it to me seems to be about polarization 
um, because a lot of the Twitter files point to information that might come across as supporting maybe um, a, nar a particular narrative that conservatives were the ones being censored. And, um, you know, the obviously the Hunter Biden laptop doesn't benefit Democrats. Uh, so that was a story that was suppressed. Uh, they're not too happy with the new owner, Elon Musk. So I think all of these things combined are the, are the main reason why they're not covering the story. It sort of doesn't benefit their side. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't really you know, the reason that I care about this story is because it doesn't matter that it was, even if it was mostly conservatives that were suppressed, uh, it could have just as easily been, you know, people on the left. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's wrong either way, but you have to consider, you know, anybody can be holding power at any time. So today, you know, obviously at Twitter, um, I think we looked at the donations that were made by people who worked at Twitter. They were mostly to Democratic organizations. So people at Twitter, I think it's fair to say, were mo mostly ideologically on the left. Um, you know, today people are complaining that somebody like Elon Musk, they appears to be more um, friendly with the right. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but let's say it is. Mm -hmm. um, people are complaining about that now. So the tables can easily turn. So the truth is the truth and people should care about that. And suppression of speech is something people should always care about. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Um, you know, it is um, fair to say that right now there's a great deal of uh, distrust of uh, legacy media, especially, um, um, you know, if you're on the conservative side um, of the fence uh, and you mentioned uh, a narrative, um, you know, is in place that, um, uh, you know, that could explain why uh, uh, there hasn't been really any coverage of the Twitter files in the mainstream media, uh, because there's a progressive liberal narrative that is put forward and, a, uh, and conservative points of view are either largely suppressed or ridiculed. Um, you know, you, you as a freelance writer who's worn many hats, um, how do you think that we how do you think we go forward with this and restore the public's trust in the media? You know, after all, it's a key element of a well-functioning democracy. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't some people don't think it's possible. I think some people mm -hmm. think that people well, and I think that some people will never trust legacy media again. They they feel that they've been lied to. I try to be a little bit more optimistic, but it would take a great deal of effort. I do think there are some new institutions that are being built. Uh, I, I know you're part of a, of a new institution that's being built in terms of media companies. Uh, I think having more independent voices is part of the answer. Having more media organizations that hold other media organizations and scrutinize them is part of the answer. Having more diversity of voices and hiring people who, and again, <laughs> the word diversity, I think, often gets misunderstood as, uh, you know, often is a racial thing, but mm -hmm. it's really about backgrounds and and backgrounds, you know, are ideological views and, and you know, maybe immigrant backgrounds and uh, ages. So having as much variety of opinions uh, and, and intentionally hiring that kind of diversity is, I think, is important. I think some organizations... I am starting to get a sense of 
have that they have some set idea that this is not working and they they are straying in the path and they're losing readers but that recognition is so minor at this point i think they aren't quite looking at themselves in the mirror and until they're able to do that they're not going to be able to fix these problems i think this adherence to um the principles and ethics of journalism is something that's not being instilled. And part mm -hmm. of that is, um, so I don't think you can be 100% object objective, perhaps, but you should strive for that. And that's not happening because a lot of journalists see themselves as activists first. And I think especially newcomers, um, newer journalists in particular. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as as someone who is part of the independent media space uh, myself, I, um, uh, you know, I tend to be a little uh, less optimistic. I mean, I, I'm optimistic about the independent media space, but I still feel that the traditional media space, the legacy media space is still pretty powerful. Um, they still have uh, a, a reach that, um, you know, some of us in the in independent media space don't have. Like if uh, the Twitter files uh, made it to the front page of the New York Times, let's face it, it's going to get a lot of attention. Uh, and uh, so we can't just dismiss the establishment media, um, you know, just like that. Um, so does it matter that the mainstream media is not covering the Twitter files um, and essentially suppressing this? I mean, um, you know, is this is this information going to go out anyway and uh and and will have the kind of reach that uh say the uh you know or the impact that the mainstream media would have had had they covered it no absolutely not i think uh the people who know about the twitter files are such a niche right now because when i talk to people of my friends who aren't really that active on twitter uh, they don't know anything about it and they are kind of shocked by it and mm -hmm. and by the way that you know my friends are aren't conservatives necessarily uh or at all um they do care actually mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. they hear about it from you know i think they're able to be objective enough to understand the the importance of this and sort of the the outrage that people might feel about this uh, one of the key things that I felt came up uh, actually in yesterday's um, Twitter files was that uh, the FBI was paying um, Twitter, you know, over three million dollars to, you know, work on uh, for their time on working on these requests. That's a really significant thing. And I think people <laughs> really ought to care about that. But when it's not being covered by the mainstream, it does not reach a lot of people. Yeah, they're yeah. not circulating in these um, in these niches. So as much as we can have, you know, uh, I was part of some spaces where we discussed this, and you know, we had a, a lot of people tune in, but uh, and and you know, people tweet about it, but I don't think it's reaching um, outside of that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still uh, kind of uh, stuck in an echo chamber right now. I mean, you don't even have uh, very prominent. Um, you don't have let's say Barack Obama weighed in on this, right? That would that would get a lot of attention, but you have some pretty significant prominent voices that are not even weighing in on this and just remaining silent or looking the other way, which is quite extraordinary. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, let's, let's uh, turn to 
um, the man of the hour, <laughs> uh, 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 Mr. Elon Musk, um, uh, who I thought I tweeted a lot, but uh, you know, I, I literally have a notifications um, uh, alert, uh, uh, you know, so that I get, uh, so I know what he's tweeting because he's just, just added that and I realized just how much he tweets <laughs> oh my goodness um and uh so you know he's constantly tweeting but anyway um just let's go back to um you know uh, this this one controversy from last week I mean there's a controversy literally every day and um and and then this one related to the uh, blocking of accounts that shared a link to I believe a bot account that shares real-time uh, location of his private jet um, now Musk rationalized it as a safety issue while his critics claim that he uh, was suppre suppressing free expression. Um, but of course, I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, the irony here is that many of those critics applauded uh, the suspension uh, of, um, uh, you know, conservative, mostly conservative voices under the old regime, uh, when the old regime did this. Um, and, um, and so he's reversed these suspensions since. What's your take on this whole controversy? Oh, yeah. So I have both criticisms uh, and really for both sides, I would say. Um, so I I can understand Elon's point of view with suspending the jet. And, I, and I'll also say, uh, you know, I'll just start by saying, yes, it's his company. He can do whatever he wants. But he bought his company um, with sort of these public statements of this being, you know, a public square, that he's going to make Twitter 2.0 much better space, more transparency, better, better everything. He's going to fix the errors of Twitter 1.0, right? Mm -hmm. So we do expect more of him that we expect of his uh, predecessors. So that's where I'm sort of coming from with this when I judge his actions. Um, in terms of sharing his private jet, I do think he has valid points and there's definitely a hypocrisy. I'm sure uh, their reactions uh, of, of, of these uh, journalists would be quite different if, if they did not have the same attitude towards him. That said, you know, two hypocrisies or two wrongs do not make a right. My issue with the suspensions was more how, how it was done, not so much that it was done. Um, he didn't really, you know, he changed the rules. And I actually tweeted to him, you know, do you mind, well, after he publicly tweeted that he's changing this, I said, can you please put it in the TOS? And uh -huh. he just responded yes. And immediately after he put it in the TOS. And the reason that I was kind of insistent on that. And earlier in the day, I was kind of tweeting criticisms about it because I think it's important when you're making policy changes like that to make it clear, to make it, you know, uh, transparent, make it accessible for everyone and to apply it equally. I'm not even sure, you know, there, there are cases to be made for free speech, completely free speech. I can live with that. I can make those cases. I can also live with moderation. But okay. you have to sort of decide one or the other. And if you decide on moderation, which he has shown that he is putting in at least some of that in, in into Twitter, then you have to then make it clear what the moderation policy is. And then you have to make it communicate that very clearly to everyone else 
make sure that other people know what the consequence is, that they're notified and, uh, and that the rules are applied equally to everybody. Otherwise you're doing what Twitter 1.0 did. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I uh, took out a thread, um, uh, you know, a few days ago, uh, precisely making these uh, making these uh, points. Uh, transparency is transparency, uniformity. These are absolutely important, uh, uh, you know, with 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 something like Twitter. Um, but here's the thing. I think Musk at one point said that he was a free speech absolutist. I believe I'm, I'm I, you know, I can't, I can't trace the source of this, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I, you know, he tweeted that at some point. Um, you know, here's the thing, right? I mean, I, I'm, I would say I'm a free speech absolutist myself, but there is something uneasy about uh, revealing my, or, or someone revealing my real-time location information, right? I'm not, I'm no celebrity, but like I'd be extremely uncomfortable with, the public knowing where I am, where I eat, you know, this, these are, this is nobody, nobody's business except mine. And um, so, you know, there's this question, there's this tension between my right to privacy versus your right to free speech. Um, but the thing with the jet tracking of his jet is that, uh, from my understanding of this, is that um, all of the information that went into this uh, is publicly available. So anyone really with a strong IT background or computer science background could uh, could could possibly recreate it. And 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 plus, here's the thing: it's it's already on other platforms. I think it's on Instagram. Perhaps it's on Facebook. I'm not sure. Um, so. You know where where do you where do you stand on this uh, on this uh, debate? Like, I mean, this this you know we we had the Princess Diana tragedy right when she was hounded by the paparazzi and that led to her death. Uh, yeah, and and you know and and so that's one example of this. But uh, but really, I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I, I I've looked into both sides of this argument quite a bit because you know I was trying to decide what is really fair in a, yeah. an objective way. I am I tend to stand I'm very pro privacy and I don't think free speech sort of trumps that because uh, I don't you have to justify the value, especially if you're a journalist reporting on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, sharing a direct link to this information, there is no journalistic value to that in my view. You can report on it without sharing that link. And, I, and I've and i said this to the journalists who were involved in this, um, but but um, I have also asked people, okay, what's the value of, of this information in general? And, and there are some reasons, you know, environmental, you know, to see if there are meetings. So there could be sort of news value to this information, but in terms of this, being public information, it's a little bit deep. So there's a few things at play here. One, um, the jet information is public, but what was done by the person who has the Twitter had the Twitter account was that he um, had figured out somehow the wing number. So, oh. so that's while technically I believe is still legal, was a little bit dubious. And two, uh, you're also massively amplifying this. So there's a lot of information actually within the public domain. And I used to work at an investigative agency. So I actually was a researcher. And there are some tools that you have available to you that are, you know, you only have it available because you're working sort of in the law enforcement side of things. And some tools that people just don't know very much about 
are available to anybody. But if so, I can figure out quite a bit of information about someone that that person would probably consider extremely private. But then if I post it to, you know, 500,000 people or a million people, I do consider that a form of doxing. But it's is it illegal under the law? Mm-hmm. That's tricky. I guess right now it is maybe not considered to be. So that's something that becomes an issue that maybe policy and law lawmakers need to look into because we have a very changing world and maybe the laws didn't quite keep up with it because uh, we didn't have social media. We didn't have these like massive amplification tools. So we never really considered these things. Um, so I think this is one of these situations. So I, I think Elon was within his rights to sort of Uh, create this new rule, even if he did create it kind of as a response to what was going on with him. Mm. But he should have done it in a very different manner, in my in my view. And the suspensions should have been better communicated. And actually, they probably should have gotten, you know, strikes, the links should have been deleted. Um, Unfortunately, the journalist then said, you know, it's because we've the narrative that went around is it's because we criticize Elon. (laughs) you know which is clearly not true because if you just logically think about it there's so many people on Twitter criticizing Elon I criticize yeah point out like I criticize Elon I say good things I also say really bad you know I I certainly criticized him still there yeah no absolutely I mean that 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 was a little strange that they would uh come to that uh, conclusion but but then again you know we're back to this narrative building right um, and uh, Elon is certainly seen as uh, kind of um, uh, closer to the conservative conservative side of things than the liberal side of things at this point uh, you know one of the criticisms of the old regime um, old Twitter regime was that when they suspended um, accounts uh, the, the reasons were often very murky and arbitrary um, I think that despite all of the sort of the shenanigans, recent shenanigans and controversies surrounding Twitter under Elon Musk, I think, I strongly believe he's brought in a greater transparency uh, to the new Twitter. And he's very open about how certain accounts are suspended, whether one agrees or not. Um, But here's the thing, he's, you know, rather than sticking to fixed rules, and we spoke about transparency and, uh, and, and uniformity earlier, he's, you know, he's allowed certain important decisions to be guided by Twitter polls. Um, and now there's this uncertainty handing over Twitter yet again because a poll on his own leadership suggested that the majority wanted him to go. What, what, what do you make of this approach? Do you think there ought to be fixed rules or, or as he suggests, uh, the public should have a voice on such decisions, in such decisions? Well, a, he could certainly do whatever he wants, but my view is... Um... The public should be consulted, but the public should not be making decisions via poll. Um, I would love to know. I would love to have a conversation with him about it. Um, I think that um, I love the fact that he will talk to people about it, but sometimes his decision making at least appears to be incredibly spontaneous. Mm. Like somebody will say something and he just kind of goes and does it. But uh, I think, and that's sometimes that could lead to brilliant outcomes and you never know. And sometimes you hesitate to stop somebody like that because 
you don't know what the end result of that will be because mm-hmm. that is so irregular and it could lead to something extraordinary. But at the same time, what it also does is builds a certain distrust and chaos that might make users feel very uncertain, unsure, unstable. And that's not necessarily a good thing, especially for people who've been on the platform for a long time. If they built large followings, invested a lot of time, created content, so I think it's problematic and doing it by poll, like what I do love. And I think if I was in a similar position, I, I would probably follow a similar model is like, I would love to consult people and get sort of, okay, what are the drawbacks? What are the, but you, you know, as somebody said to me, I just remember I had a script I once wrote and I sent it to a bunch of people for feedback and I sent it to a, a certain actor and uh, I sent him this first draft. And then based on the feedback I got from everyone else, I rewrote it. And then I sent him the new draft and I said, oh, don't read the first one, read the second one, uh, the rewrite. And he wrote me back and he said, I read them both. The first one had magic. The mm. second one, something happened. And I said to him, well, you know, I got feedback from, from all these people and I, I changed it up. And he said, no, here's the thing. If everyone's telling you the exact same thing, maybe you should listen to them. But if everyone's telling you different things, you have to listen to your own voice. Mm-hmm. That's very well said. Yeah, yeah. no, that's uh, that's a great analogy and uh, very well said. Um, you know, but sticking to this, it's it's been suggested that Twitter, I, I think there was another new policy that um, uh, came in a couple of days ago or maybe yesterday. Uh, yeah, that Twitter blue subscribers would be allowed to vote, would be the only people who would be allowed to vote in these polls, which again seems to contradict his philosophy of Vox Populi, Vox Dei. Um, what's, uh, you know, what is going on here? Yeah. Well, it, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it. It depends on the, the kind of Twitter he wants to have. Right. So it seems to me like he's trying to move away from this model. And again, it depends on whether he made this decision in a very spontaneous way, truly responding to this person and just, hey, yeah, that makes sense. Let's change this up to, or is it a little more thought out and he's appearing to be responding to someone. But if he's just moving to this Twitter blue model of, um, what he's really encouraging is a paid ecosystem. And it isn't really the public town square as much. Mm-hmm. Yes, he might allow people with without blue check marks who haven't paid the $8 or whatever it ends up being, $10 in Canada, um, to participate. But, you know, we already know that their tweets are not going to be very visible. Their user experience is is going to be point. completely different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's moving away from an advertising model. And it's really becoming more of a capitalistic, more, which, you know, he did pay $44 billion for Twitter and advertisers have shown to be not maybe so reliable. Twitter was bleeding money, Uh, but it is different from what he said he was going to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And and given all the recent controversy surounding Twitter uh, under Mustute and, you know, back to this poll, um, where the where uh, the majority of people said that he should uh, step down as CEO. Do you think he should stay on as CEO, um, or would it be better to appoint someone um, else as CEO and then he just steps back 
a bit and tweets less. I don't know. You know what I, I, I thought? I, at first I thought it was an emotional reaction, you know, because mm. I, I, I could sort of relate to this. I had a similar, on a much smaller scale, but I had a similar experience. So I really felt for this like emotional. And now and the more I kind of thought about him, like, you know, this probably was not because he, he had a, a win-win situation with this mm. poll. Um, he probably was never going to stay on forever because he has like three more companies to run. Uh, so, and he never said how long it would take. He doesn't have a successor apparently in mind right now. So if people voted now, um, then he would just stay on and eventually would just find a successor anyways. If people say yes, he'll bow down to the will of people, show himself to be humble and, uh, and eventually find a successor. He'll just say, well, I'm going to do what the people will and show that he doesn't have maybe such a huge ego mm -hmm. and, and take his time finding a CEO. So I think that's where he was going with it. In retrospect, can't read his mind, but that's my guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of conf conflicted myself. I think he should stay on as CEO, but I think he should tweet less. And I think he should uh, minimize his interactions, you know, um, and not, I mean, yeah, he just needs to kind of. People love it, though. That's the thing. I think yeah. <laughs> there's a group of people who love it and there's a group of people who hate it. And you're always going to split people. Yeah. And like what I think. Yeah, I am kind of with you. But then at the same time, I also see what his behavior and actions do to another group of people where they just absolutely, um, you know, love it. And yeah. so uh, but it, but I think that hurts him and there's a part of me that wants to manage this in a very traditional way where you yeah. know I, I do come from a communications background so mm -hmm. I'm like uh you know but how do you but I do think he could work with someone where they can manage it where he can still be him yeah and and, and authentic because I think that's what people respond to his uh, seeming authenticity um yeah but, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's probably why I want him to stay on as CEO, because at the end of the day, despite everything, uh, and there are many decisions, many of his recent decisions that I disagreed with. And, um, you know, and I was just like, you know, you know, just pulling my hair out because thinking, how hard can this be? But um, I think his heart is in the right place. This is my sense um, that he genuinely wants to create a level playing field and, um, and you know, and, uh, and, you know, wants to get as close to free speech as possible um, uh, with all of the caveats in place. Right. So I, I do think that uh, his heart is in the right place. Um, and, uh, and I think he's working very hard to get that. But, you know, in the, in the process, he's going to be doing some dumb things. And he even warned us about that uh, about a month ago. But, um, but where do you see Twitter going? Is it, um, you know, is it going to remain the premier platform that it is? Or do you do you feel that the recent screw ups mean that it'll, you know, start losing its value and start declining and some other platform could potentially take over. Yeah, I do worry that another platform could take over. I think one thing that I had, you know, I think one thing that Elon is great as an innovation, and that's what I was really excited about. So beyond just like the free speech side of things. And mm -hmm. um, one thing that I cared about is also like the censorship of what was, you know, dubbed misinformation. Um, I, 
I cared about also the innovation aspect because I think Elon was really seems to have a plan to to make it a a much more a much bigger ecosystem, you know, for content creation and payment systems to reward that and and maybe a payment system in general. And so I think there was a way to make it much, much bigger than what it was, much more than just a social media platform. But uh, what is also happening, and this is my fear, you don't want it to become like an echo chamber. The reason, you know, there's like uh, the conservative uh, media, uh, social media platforms have, you know, like Getter or uh, Truth Social and all of those. They're so, they're such echo chambers, right? And they're so political. And um, and they're not like great experiences because I think people want, at least many people, maybe not all people, but many people do want a place where they can meet and like maybe have fights over ideas mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or convert and hopefully conversations more than fights. And um, Twitter was that as, as much as like people like to rag on, you know, uh, conservatives might, uh, you know, call libtards and, and the left, you know, called conservatives names too. Um, like, it's just, um, it was still something that I think they were both drawn to and, mm-hmm. and you can find both there. And there weren't, the other platforms aren't like that. And then now everyone, you know, the people who are going to these new platforms, they're generally leaving. So they're going to be kind of more, let's say, I think kind of leftist platforms. So they're, they're turning, they're becoming echo chambers. And I don't think that's a healthy thing that, and you're seeing that throughout society in general. So my fear is that Twitter will become that if people start leaving. So you're going to get maybe some centrists staying there or maybe some people on the left who are just really hard, like, you know, like, like me or, you know, who are really believers in free speech and exchange of ideas, but there aren't that many people like that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so it's just, um, so that's my fear with it. Um, yeah. But if he, and, and Elon hasn't helped the situation in some ways because he, I think he was hoping to be not so polarizing in that way that he was sort of, but, but just even like who he, he engages with, um, you know, he does seem to take a little bit of a side and Mm -hmm. I wish he hadn't done that. I wish he did stay a little bit more neutral, um, which, you know, I think people, (laughs) it's funny because if he'd done the other way, he wouldn't get criticized you know, and, and that seems a little bit unfair as well, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. You know, I don't have, I mean, I think he's, he, he's entitled to his views. And I think if he has a side that is fine, uh, but that shouldn't interfere in how he runs the company, right? It should be a level playing field for everybody. And uh, I think that's the most important thing. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about him taking a side or on on an issue for matter because um because to the to the users because if they perceive it to be less friendly to a a certain side because of public statements that he's making whether his Mm -hmm. policies um aren't true you know uh, um if he if he's censoring certain you know suspending certain accounts Mm -hmm. they might perceive it as he's only suspending these accounts yeah that may not be true but unless he's communicating very very clearly that he's also targeting you know others yeah um, they may not believe it 
Yeah. I mean, there's this view that Twitter is a private company. They can do whatever they want. No, and no one is forcing you to use it. And if you don't like it, as the old saying goes, go create your own platform. That doesn't always work. Uh, look what happened to uh, Parler. Uh, but, um, you know, but there's also this view that social media platforms like Twitter are, are unique uh, in terms of what, um, you know, economists, uh, you know, I have a training in economics. Um, so what economists call network externalities. So in other words, a social media platform is only useful, is only valuable for you if you, if, if, if other people are also on it, right? You don't want to be on a platform where there are very few people, uh, a bit like what's happening to Mastodon right now. <laughs> uh, so, so in some respects, uh, these social media platforms are a bit like a natural monopoly, uh, which calls for government regulation. What is uh, what is your view on this? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, there are times where I've sort of been more inclined for government uh, intervention, but then we also see what happens with government interventions. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know that I trust the government very much at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're not, I mean, because there are many social media platforms, so it's kind of harder to make the case for uh, government interventions. Uh, if we were to do, you know, I'm, I'm much more inclined to make government or policies where it's like, there should be a, a China wall between, or I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but there should be a wall <laughs> between uh, government really and uh, social media platforms. That's much more of a policy that I would want to get behind, especially seeing the pressure. I mean, I saw that in, I saw that as most concerning in a way um, when Twitter had policies uh, that were, that I disagreed with, well, at least it was a, a company making these policies. But mm -hmm. when, uh, for example, during, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic, um, the White House was in telling these uh, social media companies what they should, you know, advising mm -hmm. them, quote unquote, mm -hmm. you know, even though they weren't like making it a legal, um, so they weren't, it wasn't a violation of the First Amendment technically, but when the White House comes to you or the FBI comes to you, uh, which is, again, the same sort of thing was happening, you know, as the Twitter file showed, um, that's not um, not a violation in my view. Uh, I don't know if legally that case can be made, but certainly morally and ethically, I think so. Um, so I think in that way, I, I would like to see some legislation um, there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think um, it, it's tricky because these these um, companies are so big. Another thing I guess I would love to see because um, that that's more universally applied. You build your followers right on these media, social media platforms, and then you're you're stuck. So in that way, it becomes a monopoly because at any point you're sort of at the mercy of these uh, social media platforms. They can decide to suspend you, ban your account. Mm -hmm. And then you you can't just um, there's nothing you can do about it. And actually, that new platform uh, and I can't pronounce the name is it Mast Mastodon? Yeah, Mastodon. <laughs> so apparently, in the way that it's structured, is actually uh, it's better on that side because you you sort of run your own server, so you could take it elsewhere. So I think there is some uh, benefits to that, and mm -hmm. if there are ways to solve that. 
problem, that would make a big difference because it would force these platforms to compete because you could move. You as a consumer have the ability to move. It's like, uh, it's the same thing as with cell phone numbers, you know, before you used to be tethered. So if you wanted to move to another company, you, you lose your phone number. Uh, but then they made a law so you are able to move your phone number to another company. So I think it should be sort of something like that. I could see that being illegal. Interesting. So if you were to move, do you take all your followers with you? Yeah. Well, that that would be something. I mean, this is, you know, I, I have um, thought about quitting Twitter, but not recently, though, because it's just gotten exciting <laughs> now. But <laughs> but at one point, you know, I was I was really um, disgusted with Twitter because, you know, they I, I I've had my account suspended a couple of times. I've been on it for a very long time. I've been on it since 2010. And um, and, and, you know, and there was a time when I was like, you know, I, I'm going to go to another platform. And uh, uh, but, you know, I had already built like thousands of followers and I was going to at risk of losing, well, I would have lost them, lost all of them. And I would have had to start from scratch. Um, and that's one of the, um, d- uh, you know, it's a disincentive, right. For you to move to. Yeah. You can't yeah. even do a push notification to tell them that you've moved to another place. And yeah. then and speaking of other policies, like Elon's um, last thing was uh, that, you know, you can't even share links to yeah. other platforms. So, um, yeah, that's that is uh, like a <laughs> I, I thought that was I thought that was one of the dumbest things, actually. I mean, for someone who is so incredibly successful and so incredibly um, intelligent, I thought that was that was just dumb like I don't even know what he was thinking when he said that and it was um and I was uh, you know just taken aback by the whole thing and then his mother weighed in on this and said well you know I you know I you know this makes sense because when I'm uh, giving a presentation I don't I don't I don't mention the competitors um in my presentation but we're not employees right we're users uh, there, there is a distinction between the two. And so it, it just didn't make any sense. It, um, it, it pissed everyone off, even like the like <laughs> the big, big supporters of his, like yeah. when I brought that up in conversations, like even they had a really hard time for the most part, like defending it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in favor of uh, suspending accounts. Like, I mean, there's this, should 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 he have suspended Kanye West's account? Like I I found his views appalling and beyond the pale. Uh, but um, you know there is a question if you're a free speech absolutist and and he does claim to be one. Um, you know was that the right move? Um, or or Alex Jones, right? I think that was one of the first controversies actually. Um, I I I think I think you know Alex Jones should be on Twitter. I mean I you know as 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 uh, reprehensible as I think his his views were and uh, and and what he stands for, at least he doesn't like Hitler. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean this is a thing, you know, and I mean this is this is one of these. Um, it's one of the great challenges of our time, uh, of our time, where uh, of our times where no, it's not clear cut, right? Um, uh, and 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 I think in Elon's case, he clearly is emotional with uh, with respect to Alex Jones. His his uh, um, his his response was well, you know, I held my dying son in my arms, and uh, you know, and uh, and I know what that feeling is like, and uh, and this is the reason why I, he'll never be allowed back on Twitter, and and this is the problem with bringing your own 
you know, emotions into um, something as important as free speech, which should be distinct. It should be separate. Well, if you're an absolutist, right? Like, okay, yeah. let's take uh, Kanye, yay, whatever he wants to call himself. <laughs> like, yeah. I, of course, I absolutely find his views abhorrent, what he said. Like, you know, it, it's funny. Like, I gave him some benefit of like, maybe we don't understand him in the beginning, but it was very clear where he is at um, exactly. gradually. Um, and honestly, I was I was quite upset if any, like, I think he has the right to his speech. I, I don't think people should have been... Um, inviting him onto shows and amplifying it uh, because I think that was just, uh, you know, that was just to get clicks. But, um, but I think in terms of suspending him, um, it was not at all consistent with free speech. So while I, you know, and I'm Jewish, I, I, you know, certainly don't find this stuff fantastic yeah but but uh, i think that most people would not uh hopefully well unfortunately quite a few people love this uh as i've discovered but i think it still fits under free speech so if you do believe in free speech absolutism uh that image that he tweeted um I, I think it's hard. Uh, I know that people have tried to make the case that it incites violence because it's a hateful uh, image, but then mm -hmm. you're you're getting on an extremely slippery slope there. Um, and so I, I, I think as much as I may not like the speech that he had made, uh, if you do not believe in censoring free speech, then he did not really have a basis for um for uh, booting him off the platform. Now, if he wanted to have rules, that's fine, but then it's not free speech absolutism. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is It is very, it is a very difficult subject. I mean, I uh, thought that I had my mind made up on these things, but I'm uh, being challenged every single day, you know, where I stand on these issues. And um, um, well, you know, Catherine, I've run out of questions, but is there anything you want to share with us? Um, uh, <laughs> anything at all? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of these questions are difficult. I think what you said yeah. is, is important to note is, is um, uh, it's, it's something that you do. We change our minds like it's 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 OK to change your mind. And I think sometimes people, oh, you're a hypocrite or you're this or that. But you know what? It's you think about things, you hear new information, you hear new ideas, new counter arguments, and you change your mind. And, you know, I also changed my mind. I, I thought I was a free speech absolutist. Uh, and then because I, I certainly have strong arguments for that. And then other days I'm like, well, maybe not. And then other days I go back to being a free speech absolutist. And on Elon, I, I feel um, you know, some days I'm, you know, I started off being kind of happy that he got Twitter. And then I was like, oh no, this is chaos. I'm really not <laughs> happy at what he's doing. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is fine. So I go back and forth on him a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I get attacked too, because, you know, sometimes they say, I say positive things, sometimes negative things, but I've also said this, I said, listen, I'm going to there, I'm going to defend this billionaire sometimes, because if it's wrong, if people are wrongly attacking him, I'm going to uh, defend him because, uh, and other times if, if he's wrong in what he's doing, I'm going to, um, I'm going to criticize that because, you know, at the end of the day, the only allegiance is the truth and that's how it should be. 
And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people have sort of either cling to him being this like um, awful, awful human being. And I don't, you know, I'm trying to figure out what it is that people have chosen to see him as the worst mm. possible, you know, because I think if you objectively look at him, you can see there's been, you know, there are lawsuits there, you know, there are some certainly negative things as, as how he is maybe as a boss. Yeah. Um, and he's also built amazing things and he's brilliant and there's a sensitivity there. And um, so he, he's not, you know, and then there are people who idolize him and he can do no wrong, but he's a human being, right? Yeah. So yeah, you have to look at it in a more clear-eyed way. And, uh, and we have a tendency to sort of, you know, as a society, there is this tendency to be so black and white and not be willing to look at the grays. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that struck me about you. Um, you know, it's not just this, but uh, on a range of different issues, I've always seen you, um, you know, be very balanced and objective and, uh, you know, you might take a side, but you, you know, you consider all points of view and, um, uh, and especially with, uh, the Twitter file, uh, with, with what's been happening with Twitter. Yeah. You have the, um, you have the fanboys. <laughs> And then, and then you have the haters, uh, you have these two extremes, but there are very few, few people in the middle, um, who are, uh, you know, who are, uh, who are, you know, like you, who are, who are uh, trying to be as uh, objective as possible. And that's great. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on my show. And, um, so I'm, I'm glad that you, that we had this conversation, Catherine. It was, well, I really um, appreciate having a chance to talk to you and I've, I've always enjoyed following your work and, uh, oh. Thank you. No, that uh, that means a lot. I mean, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show. And I I um, and I'm sure our viewers uh, also uh, appreciate uh, your insights. Um, so I'm afraid we'll have to leave it at that. But I hope you have um, great Hanukkah, uh, Christmas and New Year. And uh, and I would love to have you back again soon. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Lovely talking to you.